Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. COVID 19 has impacted many industries. Uh, we've talked about many of them here on Money FM, but one that we haven't really explored much uh, of is the golf industry, not only here in Singapore, but regionally. We're joined on the line by uh, Eric Linge, who is the CEO of Asian Golf Industry Federation, a trade organization, trade group for uh, golfing uh, establishments around the region. Eric, uh, good morning and welcome to Weekend Mornings. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. Great to have you on. Now, you're here in Singapore. And and why don't we start with Singapore? Tell us what's happening locally in general with the golf industry around Singapore these days in light of COVID-19. Well, Singapore has conversely had an uptick in golf, uh, specifically because people can't travel. So a lot of the business travelers, a lot of people who go play in Johor or Batam are not able to play. So the impact, if you go to most of all the golf clubs in Singapore, they are full up during the weekdays and week uh, weekends as well. So it's, it's had, an, I won't say a beneficial effect because it's not beneficial for anybody, but for golf, uh, people have retreated to what they view as the, the safety of the golf course in many respects. And I'm guessing it helps in a way that in this period of social distancing, you do tend to get that on a golf course, don't you? Yes, Neil. I, you know, ironically, I mean, golf is about with all validity is one of the most social of sports, but the physical activity, as you know, is you're separated by a few meters when you're playing golf. Obviously, if you go uh, to a food and beverage after that, et cetera, you become closer. But the actual game itself is by nature uh, quite uh, removed. So uh, it's interesting to see that golf clubs across the world are, are exercising further you know, uh, social distancing by saying that you don't need to rake a bunker anymore, just use your foot, don't mm. touch the flagstick, all these type of things happening. Mm. But you're right, um, it is uh, a game that is, I would say, suited, uh, you know, for this. So you made raise an interesting point there, Eric. So are, are we seeing a difference in behavior on the course as opposed to off the course, you know, play the game, but then don't socialize afterwards, which affects the F&B outlets. Are we seeing a difference in behavior in that way or not? Well, here in Singapore, because of the uh, the relative, uh, the policies here that you're still able to socialize, heretofore, you're still having uh, the interaction at the golf course at the F&B. But globally, it's had various different impacts. In Malaysia, they've closed all golf courses because they're deemed to be part of sport. Uh, Philippines, they've closed all golf courses in Luzon. In Vietnam and various different areas, uh, they've closed golf courses electively. Uh, Thailand, they have uh, basically reduced uh, rounds. In the United States, it depends where you are. On the West Coast, uh, they're, they're locked down has stopped golf, but in the East Coast, you can still play golf, but you can't go to F&B or go to check-in. So it's a variable reaction. But here in Singapore, for the moment, it is, uh, is business as normal. And uh, Eric, as you, as you look at, uh, well, for example, Korea and some other places, some, some areas have had good luck keeping the game going. Um, others have not because they're resort courses and or, as you just mentioned, uh, there are government uh, prohibitions against uh, certain sports. Um, this is having a huge knock-on effect with people's incomes, people's livelihoods, and, and specifically, especially in this part of the world, talking about the caddies and the ground maintenance staff and people like that that are living, you know, more or less on kind of the, on the margin, as it were, anyway, even in the best of times, rely on tips and a small salary. Um, what, what, is, what is the thinking around how to maybe help some of these folks, or is there anything being done to, to help them now? 
Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, to note, uh, Korea specifically drives a lot of tourism golf, and now they're not traveling at all. So in Southeast Asia, they're probably the biggest driver of all golf as far as resort courses, etc. And then the domestic restrictions. So it depends where you are. In Malaysia and the Philippines, where um, the caddy uh, culture is alive, and there's people who are living on subsistence to rely on caddy fees, the members of the private clubs who have the money are starting funds to, uh, to, to, to help the caddies while they'll hold over. As of yet, as far as the grounds staff and greenskeepers, I mean, golf is a, a very large uh, industry when you get down to it. It employs a lot of people. Uh, it hasn't reached that level of how are we going to compensate the, the ground staff or the employment or the other people who work in the golf course. But it is something that the private clubs can address by upping membership fees or dues, etc., for the period of time. And, and, and that's... Uh, We'll see how long it lasts, but that's basically the thing that they can do in private clubs. They, they'd have to still keep people on staff, though, right? I mean, you've got to keep maintenance going even during this period, even if even <laughs> if the course is closed, right? Correct. And, and then you have to do maintenance practices which are COVID-19 safe, right? So you cannot have too many people operating the machines. You have to do a rotation. You have to do cleaning and maintenance of the machines. So you're right. I mean, in order to have our operation of golf course, you can't just let the, golf, the, the grass grow. So... Yeah, they do have to have a skeleton staff, and uh, various different clubs are operating on that basis. So it is a challenge. It's not like you can leave a tennis court you know, or an auditorium free. So, yes, it is a challenge. You mentioned there that Singapore fortuitously is being rather isolated at the moment, and, of course, we hope that continues. But you also mentioned Batam, Bintan. You know, these are popular golf destinations for Singaporeans and Southeast Asians, have been for many decades now. At what point will it start to bite for these regional golf courses and golf clubs if these bans and, in inverted commas, lockdowns continue? Well, I'm afraid, Neil, that it's already starting to bite. If you take a look at the economics a lot of, of, a lot of the resort courses uh, throughout Asia, and it depends upon what level of round you're getting and what yield you're maintaining, but a lot of these courses are going to start feeling the bite quite soon, if not even right now. And it all depends upon the, uh, the ownership of these these courses, etc. So it is a pretty immediate bite for people who rely upon visitor play. And it depends on how much you're getting per that visitor play to start with. Some of the courses on in various different places are already operating on pretty low margins already. So it's, it's a pretty dire, I mean, there are much more serious situations in the world right now, but this is, it can be pretty dire for these particular golf courses. You do mention, I think, appropriately, look, you know, this is this is a, uh, a recreational sport that a lot of yes. people, many people who are frankly more well-to-do uh, enjoy and participate in. But it does have an economic tail to it, you know, that is a business impact uh, for many, not only the clubs themselves, and we've talked about the staff, the caddies and others, but also the areas around them. You know, some of these resort courses rely, their hotel bookings, uh, their, their spa bookings, things like that. Um, so it is a very dynamic business that that does generate a lot of revenue for for local um, local communities, if I can uh, put it that way. Has has there been through the uh, through your golf industry federation? Has there been any discussion in years past about you know what would we do if SARS kind of SARS type things came back again, which was of course everybody faced during two thousand and and uh, four two thousand three. Um, was any were, were people looking forward to the possibility of this kind of event? event happening again and preparing for it in any way? Or is it just not possible based on the margins? 
Well, I think the golf industry here is pretty disparate on a national level. You know, unlike the United States or parts of Europe where you have a unified golf body that shares information. And one of the things that we try to do the AGIF is to, you know, aggregate information and aggregate findings and best business practices. But the nature of the golf industry, like unlike hotel business where you have hotel chains, et cetera, the industry here is disparate owners, whether they be private owners or they be committee-run clubs or government, et cetera. So, you know, there's very, I won't say no coordination, but not uh, that developed coordination uh, on, amongst clubs. Uh, Singapore has improved with uh, some uh, research being done recently by the RNA, the Singapore Golf Association, et cetera, which did put out some numbers on the size and the economic, economic impact. Uh, you know, in, in one thing I'd like to highlight is that uh, in Singapore, there's the charitable biangle is huge, uh, as in a lot of other countries. And, and $63 million was raised over 100 golf club-based events uh, last year. And that has an impact, too. So, you know, there is no real data right now except for anecdotal data. And I guess the only issue is that uh, Singapore has had, I would say, experience with, uh, with SARS before. So from a governmental level and business practice, say we're pretty ready for it. Yeah, you mentioned the charitable dollars there, the various exhibitions and foundations that are involved at the courses across Singapore and the region generally. Is there anything planned or that could potentially happen maybe in Singapore, to promote those charitable courses to serve their own people, in effect, you know, the other clubs or courses in Southeast Asia. Are there anything, any events planned that may help the industry? Not at the moment, Neil, but it's a good idea. I think, you know, golf as a charitable venue uh, should also take a look at helping its own staff. So I think it's it's something that we can propone. Uh, Right now we're setting up a lot of information flow between the industry on various different things that can be done. We also have quite a bit of contacts with the GAs, meaning the golf associations across uh, the various different countries in Southeast Asia and North Asia. And uh, that's something that could really be looked at uh, to, to tide us over if it becomes a long-term problem. And uh, Eric, a final question. As, as you look forward, are there any opportunities here um, amidst the closure of golf courses, for example, to retool, to redesign courses, do maintenance, that sort of thing, the ones that are closing. Uh, what are some positive lessons that might be taken away or positive actions that might be taken away uh, from COVID-19? I don't know if we can specifically sort of assign it to COVID-19. I think essentially, holistically, what the golf industry in Southeast Asia is looking at is, is operating more in a business-like fashion. Um, a lot of these clubs have been built, uh, they're one generation old, unlike the United States and Europe where they're two to three generations old, and they were built for various different reasons. Now a lot of uh, clubs are now realizing we have to run it like a business. We have to hire professional people, professional greenskeepers, professional club managers. This particular issue of COVID-19 is just highlighting some of the potential uh, necessities for the industry. So I don't know if that's a, a positive, but it's part of the general trend. Uh, that's happening in the golf industry. And just the last one from me, it is important, isn't it, to emphasize how much it means to the local economy because I'm someone who doesn't play golf myself, but I do stay <laughs> at uh, Bintan Lagoon Resort. I have met friends right. who work there. And, of course, yeah. they employ hundreds upon hundreds of people from within the local Bintan community, and Correct. they need those golf courses going, don't they? So we can't emphasize yeah. enough, golf aside almost, how important these places are for the local economies. Exactly, Neil. In Singapore alone, it's $238 million business um, and supporting um, 
200, 2,550 people. So mm-hmm. that's just Singapore. So if you extrapolate that on less labor-intensive or more labor-intensive countries like Bintang, it is a, a substantial economic impact, for sure. All right. Thanks to uh, Eric Lynch, the CEO of the Asian Gulf Industry Federation. Uh, appreciate your time, your comments uh, today, Eric. Thank you, gentlemen. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.